Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, it's Leading Off with True Blue LA. Today is Friday, January 20th. This is Eric Steven, your host, and today is a mailbag episode. Uh, I put out a feeler uh, for Dodgers questions on Monday, and thank you to everyone who participated in the comments there at True Blue LA. Um, here are, I handpicked a handful of these. I think they were, I thought they were some very good questions, and we'll just get right to them. First question is from Dovregubbin86. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that uh, correctly. It's one of those where you see a word and then you realize you've never said it out loud. Um, his question, who will have more plate appearances as shortstop, Gavin Lux or Miguel Rojas? Um, so last week, Jacob and I, uh, Jacob Birch and I tried to answer this on the lineup podcast. We went, We, we sort of started as trying to figure out who's going to play the most uh, like defensive innings. Imagine like who's going to show up on the baseball reference page as the the, the player at that position. Um, but we basically did it for five positions because you, you know, you had the sort of set ones and then we went to, you know, several positions, shortstop, third, second, uh, left and center. Um, but what started as an exercise to sort of pick the leader became us sort of talking through um, each position, and we realized that there's a lot of players who could play several positions. So, And I think the main takeaway is that 
I think especially at shortstop, um, the leader might lead the team in innings, but not overwhelmingly so. Like it could be something like a, you know, 83 starts at shortstop for one player and 63 for another or whatever. But um, I, on the podcast, I picked Rojas to play the most at short, mostly because his defense is so stellar. But like I said, I think the playing time split could be pretty close. So complicating matters with Rojas. He had a wrist surgery in October. And um, there's sort of a still a question of what needs to still happen with that wrist. He might need another procedure, maybe. Craig Mish at the Miami Herald reported that at the time the Dodgers traded for him. Rojas, in an interview with David Vasse on Dodger Talk, said there's still things to figure out with his wrist before spring training. What that means, I don't know. But I think, at the very least, it might affect his availability for opening day. But... Um, I could see the Dodgers like starting the season with Rojas at short, if he's assuming he's healthy, and then you, you keep Lux at second base. But then at some point, like during the year, you figure Michael Bush is going to hit his way onto the roster, and he's been playing mostly second base. They seem pretty committed to him playing second base. Um, you could see a, a scenario where Bush comes up and he has to play most of the time at second. Then maybe that's when Lux shifts to short. And Rojas becomes more of a utility role. I think the best version of the 2023 Dodgers has Lux at shortstop and Rojas as the the semi-regular fill-in at various infield positions. So I think it's just a matter of time um, or a matter of how long it takes them to get to that configuration. So we'll see. But I think if I had to just pick one, uh, I think think Rojas is going to end up playing a little bit more shortstop than Lux. Uh, next question, there are two of them sort of grouped together here. JB8 says, do you believe there will be any 40-man roster additions prior to the first full squad workout on February 20th? Uh, El Camino, uh, 68 El Camino 427 asks, will the Dodgers add another bat prior to opening day? Will the Dodgers add another starting pitcher prior to opening day? So I lump these two together because um, they're you know very much related. I think the answer to all three of them are yes. Um the first one is more of a technicality because the first full squad workouts February 20th and then but there's also pitchers and catchers reporting um, the the non-world baseball classic folks reporting on February 16th presumably the pitchers and catchers are reporting on the 15th that's generally the day where spring training is sort of set to begin um, and that's when you can start pl- putting players on the 60-day injured list. So, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, you know, who might still be available at that time because it is, it's a risky move if you're like just waiting to add someone and you're like, well, let's wait till I have a 40-man spot open. Um, that person might not be uh, be available, but you know, they they also might be. So, um, I could see them sort of signing someone like in that period. This happened. Um, in 2021, um, when the Dodgers signed Justin Turner, he became official on February 19th. I forget the reporting date that year, but that was like within a few days of it. And that's when they placed Caleb Ferguson on the 60-day injured list. But I don't um, – that was about a week after Turner like tweeted the news himself. So I don't know if that was a situation where they just waited till spring training was um, – starting to do that to make that move official or I think it, it may have just had to do more with the timing of Turner literally getting to 
um, Camelback Ranch uh, and and taking the physical. So, um, but I think uh, so. The Dodgers have three pitchers right now who um, are expect who aren't expected to pitch till like very late in the season, if at all. In twenty twenty three, you got Walker Bueller coming off Tommy John and flexor tendon repair. Blake Trinan had shoulder surgery. And then newcomer J.P. Fireisen, the reliever who they traded for, um, he's not expected to pitch until at least after the All-Star break. So all of them will probably at some point end up on the 60-day injured list. Now, they're not just going to first day available put them on the 60-day because you never really do that move until you have to. Um, uh, So until they're going to add someone, they're not going to just willy-nilly put them on the 60-day, I don't think. But um, one pitcher who might sort of fulfill both roles here, um, is Chad Green. He's a free agent, pitched for the Yankees the last few years, reliever, uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery. He could follow the uh, the Tommy Canely path, if you will, where Dodgers sign him to a two-year deal where you're, you're sort of banking on getting that second year of production and willing to ride out the rehab in the first year. The, the advantage of Green over Keeley in this regard is that um, Green's Tommy John surgery was last June. If you go back two years to Tommy Canely, his was in August. So I think at the very least, Green would be able to um, pitch at some point in 2023, whereas Canely did not pitch in 2021. But also, if you if you get Chad Green um, and then, say, sign him to a two-year deal, um, you could also place him on the 60-day injured list, too, to create another roster spot. Um, the Dodgers also did this last year. Um, it, it was a little it, last year was a little weird because of the lockout, so everything was sort of truncated. But on the same day, um, they did uh, Jimmy Nelson. They signed him, and then they also signed Danny Duffy, and they also signed Freddie Freeman, all with the same roster spot because Nelson and Duffy went on the 60 day, and they ended up neither of them ended up pitching. So it doesn't always work out with those pitchers, but just saying that's that's a scenario. Um, I will say, um, in terms of the the bat or the starting pitcher, they might add. I do think the Dodgers will add a bat because the current sort of projected uh, thirteen active position players from the forty man roster here. This is my estimation. Um, that th- those thirteen include James Outman and Yanni Hernandez. Now, that's not bad, but there's also I think there's also. They still need depth. We, I've written about this multiple times. Um, I do think um, non. We'll get to this in a second, but Jason Hayward is a non-roster invitee. He could definitely make the team, but I would still argue they could use a little more depth. So again, it doesn't have to be like um, an everyday starter. Uh, it it could be like a Rojas level, um, someone with a, a very unique skill. Who they do very that he does uh, very well, um, who could you know be a backup or you know maybe someone with options or whatever, but maybe not someone with options given if it's a free agent or something. But I do think they're going to add another bat because they need some depth. Um, so in terms of pitching, now they have um, five starters currently occupying the five rotation spots. Uh, Julio Urias, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Noah Syndergaard. You also have Ryan Pepio and Michael Grove on the 40-man. 
off the 40 man, you have Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone, who are likely both going to pitch their way onto the roster at some point this season, but not right away. Um, I still think they're going to get another starting pitcher. Like, that's usually how they operate. Um, we've seen this, like, going back even, you know, before this current front office, even back when Ned Coletti was GM, the, I think it was, what, 2013, where we they go into – uh, the end of spring training, like, oh, how are they going to find room for all these, all eight of these starters? And then they needed like a ninth starter by the end of April uh, because of injuries. So I think, um, I do think they're going to add someone. It might not be someone exciting. I think, uh, look, looking over the free agents, I think Michael Walker is still available. Um, and, you know, whether that pitcher, that extra pitcher they sign, ends up leading the team in innings pitched like Tyler Anderson last season remains to be seen, but I do think they're going to end up still adding. So, and we still have about four weeks until spring training. So definitely still time to do that. And if you're, and then there's also time to opening day too. So uh, on to the next question. Um, underdog asks, which non roster guy do you give the best chance of making the opening day roster? Uh, any sleepers in the system who could make an impact this year, not on the 40 man roster. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, non-roster guys, I think Jason Hayward is in his own category because I think he's sort of ticketed uh, for the for the roster unless, like, like, an injury happens or something. But again, it's all dependent on health. He's been hurt the last two years. He missed the last three months of last season with a knee injury. He's been bad for two straight years, So, but it was also injury plague. So if he's healthy, he makes it. If not, he doesn't. Um, so I'm excluding him from this. Um, at, um, the the Dodgers, as of yet, have not announced any non-roster invitees except uh, Jason Hayward. I was able to report when um, Adam Kolarik signed that he also has a non-roster invitee. I'm sure some of the others we've talked about, like uh, Stephen Duggar and Bradley Zimmer, I'm sure they're going to have non-roster invitations uh, to camp, but... Um, so, but there's a lot of guesswork here. I will say uh, it would be a nice story if Jake Reed, um, who was designated for assignment five times in a five-month span to end his calendar year of 2022, um, I'm assuming because he cleared waivers with the Dodgers and he's still in the organization, I'm assuming he gets a non-roster invitee and it would be uh, a fun story. I think if he ends up earning an op- a spot in the opening day bullpen, I don't think it's necessarily likely. But that would be a moment of uncommon stability for him. Um, in terms of um, the sleeper, so uh, spoiler alert, on Monday I have an interview coming up with Alex Friedman, who is the uh, broadcaster uh, for AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers. Um, has seen you know a number of Dodgers come through in recent years. Um, I interviewed him about uh, Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, and... Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, various others. It's a fun interview. That'll be up Monday. Uh, one of the names uh, we talked about as well was someone who's not on the 40-man roster is Drew Avins. Um, he's older. I believe he's 27 or maybe maybe going to be 28. And um, he is a fast guy, can play center, gets on base, stole 40 bases, um, plays good defense. And, you know, he could be someone who – ends up playing his way onto the roster like later in the season if they need someone we'll see but um that's that's sort of someone that sticks in the back of my mind but uh, we talked a little bit about him on that so uh, this is my way of just getting drew avens on the podcast um uh 
two straight times. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hollywood Joe asked what might be my favorite question of the group here. Um... If you could add any position player from Dodger history to this roster who was never even once an all-star or a Hall of Famer, who would it be? Same question for pitchers. So um, a few caveats here, uh, and I mentioned this in the comments of the, the mailbag uh, prompt. I'm, not ex- I'm, I'm excluding any um, Brooklyn Dodger like basically before the all-star game started in 1933. Because they didn't have a chance to be an all-star. You could play and look like... And Zach Wheat was a Hall of Famer, but he so he wouldn't qualify. But, um, you know, like Jake Daubert uh, was the first baseman who won MVP. Uh, he was he never had the chance to play in the all-star game. But I, I just avoided that altogether. Um, uh, so, uh, Joe did not mention him uh, explicitly, but he alluded to him in a further comment in that post. Uh, Kurt Gibson... Um, because uh, Gibson in 1988 was asked to join the National League All-Star team, but declined the honor. I'm adding another um, sort of uh, stipulation here because Kurt Gibson did win MVP that year. Um, and I think so if someone wins a MVP or a Cy Young award, they should also be disqualified from Joe's question. I don't, uh, looking back, I don't remember how many Dodgers uh, MVP or Cy Young winners did not also make the All-Star team, but I'm j- I just sort of put that out there. So back to Joe's question, uh, non-all-star, non-Hall of Famer, Eric Karros jumps to mind here. He has the most plate appearances among all-star eligible Dodgers by far. It's uh, 6,624. He excelled at an interesting time for me as a baseball fan. So he put up 30 and 100 uh, five times in a six-year stretch. He won Rookie of the Year. It was him and Piazza basically batting three and four for a long time. But it was also an offensive-friendly era, which I was coming to recognize at that time. His OPS plus with the Dodgers in his career was 109, which was still above average. But, you know, as a first baseman, it wasn't, like, super great. He did have some very, very good years where he should have been an all-star, in my opinion. But I remember that I was also um, in my college years at this time, and I was kind of a dick, <laughs> to just argumentative, I guess, as a way. And as I was learning more about like the analytic side of baseball, I was definitely too cocksure in my um, opinions and to the point where I was looking to pick a fight, I think, more often than not. So one time I remember I was in the car with both of my brothers and we were talking about the Dodgers or something and I, and I just blurted out, Eric Caro sucks. 
and they basically wanted to fight me at that time. Um, I didn't believe Eric Caro sucks. I don't believe Eric Caro sucks. I think he was overrated at the time. But then also, if you look back, like I don't remember what his career war total is. I don't know if that necessarily accurately represents his career. Uh, I think he was very good. Um, but I also think for um, for this particular exercise, he wouldn't fit on the 2023 Dodgers because Freddie Freeman plays every day at first base. Uh, Freeman started the first 141 games last year. He didn't sit till they clinched the division. His 159 starts at first base was the most by a Dodger uh, since Eric Karros a quarter century earlier. So they're kind of similar in that regard. Now Freeman's a much better hitter. But then you also have J.D. Martinez taking most of the starts at DH. So there's not really a place for Karros to play on this Dodgers team. I think the, the same applies for Wes Parker, who has the next most Dodgers plate appearances among non-All-Stars. He also played first base. He did mix in time in the outfield as well. That was earlier in his career. But... Um, I'm going to go with a different utility player and uh, not Lee Lacey, but I bring him up only because he was the Dodgers rewind earlier this week. Um, he would have been a nice fit, um, but what, who I'm going with is someone who's still active, Kike Hernandez. Um, he can play center field, a position the Dodgers have been trying to fill defensively since um, non-tendering um, Cody Bellinger. Hernandez plays all over the middle infield as well. He'd be the perfect addition to the 2023 Dodgers because... Um, they, they're sort of in a transition period. They're finding a spot for Miguel Vargas, probably going to end up finding a spot for Michael Bush, maybe James Altman at some point. And depending on who takes what spots, you can have Kike fill in where you're needed. So doesn't always have to start every day. Um, I think he'd be a perfect addition. I mean, he was, he was a very good player, even when he was not quite hitting, um, cause he's just so good defensively all over. Um, he also, you know, if you look at it, uh, he had three home runs in the pennant clinching game in 2017. He had a game tying home run in game seven of the NLCS in 2020. So you get to add that as well. Um, on the pitching side, um, the most innings pitched for the Dodgers by a non-all-star was Doug Rao, who was, in my opinion, he was the Chad Billingsley of the 1970s. An above-average homegrown starting pitcher um, who most people sort of view as either a disappointment or an also-ran. Um, Rao won 73 games in a five-year stretch that saw the Dodgers win three pennants. He has a 106 ERA+, plus, 1,250 innings uh, with the Dodgers. Um, he had a 655 postseason ERA. Now we're talking about 11 innings in six games, but most famously he was on the business end of an absolutely classic Tommy Lasorda rant on the mound. Um, during game four of the 1977 World Series when um, he allowed three straight hits to left-handed batters. Rao was a left-handed pitcher, and he was pleading to stay in the game, and and Tommy Lasorda was having none of it. I will link to this in the show notes. Um, Very funny video. I also thought about Ishmael Valdez as well. He was a personal favorite of mine in the 1990s. He had a 115 ERA plus in just over 1,000 innings. Uh, bringing this full circle, uh, he's linked to Karos as well because the two of them fought in the shower uh, after a, a bad start in Miami in 1997. Got to the point where like Karos was openly mocking uh, Valdez in the locker room and then they just went at it. Um, so yeah, fun times. But I'm not adding e- either of those. Who I am adding is a reliever 
Um, it's Ron Paranowski. He was the ace reliever uh, for the bulk of the 1960s Dodgers. He pitched on three pennant winners, won two World Series with the team. In seven years with the Dodgers, from 61 to 67, he averaged 107, 107 innings with a 256 ERA, a 132 ERA plus. Um, in those seven years, he led the majors in games pitched, uh, 448. He was second among... Uh, relief pitcher innings with 750 behind only Hall of, oh, Wilhelm, who's a Hall of Famer. Now, saves didn't become an official statistic in 1969, but retroactively, uh, on baseball reference, his 100 saves in those seven years as a Dodger was tied for the most in the National League. And then when he got traded to the Twins, um, he led the league in saves the first two years they became a stat. So, then you add in Ron Paranowski's 14 years as a pitching coach. He could maybe impart some wisdom to his bullpen mates when he's not pitching. So I think he'd be a perfect addition. I love this question. I hope other people share who they might add in the comments below. We'll get to one more question to round this out. Uh, Barry2020 asks, uh, take the over or under for 91 wins next season for the Dodgers. I think... Two things can be true. I think the Dodgers offseason suggests they will take a step back in 2023, at least compared to recent years. However, they also won 111 games last year. Over the last four years, they have a 670 winning percentage. That's more than two-thirds of their games they've won. So they have a long way to fall before falling out of the very good territory. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with someone who says, like, the Padres are the favorites in the National League West. Like, that's a fair argument. But I also think the Dodgers can clear 91 wins with uh, relative ease, even with the current roster, even if they don't make any other additions. Um, so I think this is a clear over bet for me. But it's going to be um, it's going to be an interesting, interesting year. I do think, given some of the decisions they've made, they've probably... Um, sort of increased they, they usually leave enough to account for like margin of error so they they've sort of lessened that this off season so it's going to be could get interesting could get a little bumpy tricky at times but i do think they're going to win um over 91 games so that's easy for me thank you to everyone who submitted questions uh that's it for us that's it for us this week thank you for listening everybody We'll be back again on Monday with an interview with Alex Friedman about uh, various Dodgers who will contribute this year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good weekend.